0: Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Just trying to think through how, how to get in this, uh, in, into this. Um, you heard me allude to this in the prayer, but I want to circle back around to this. That our whole soul care conversation at the Garden uh, is built around a goal. And that is that we become the kinds of people whom God can trust to empower to do whatever we want. It's kind of my uh, mantra I learned from Dallas uh, when uh, Dallas Willard and my doctoral work with him. Uh, and I want to underline it again, because I, I want you to sit with it. We want to become the kinds of people that God can trust so that he can empower us to do whatever we want. that makes sense? Yep. Uh, so, so I, I want to be, be trustworthy. I want to be the kind of person who knows what God is doing so that I can do that without having to be constantly told what to do. Right? Uh, I, I, I want to know the Father's heart so well that I can respond instantly obedient to the slightest whisper, the breath of the Spirit. Uh, Hildegard von Bingen used the image of a breath, a, a, a feather on the breath of God. We want to become those kinds of people. Why? Well, because that's who he's created us to be. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, 28... We are created to be the image of God, to be his ambassadors, to be his representatives, to be his his stand-ins on the earth, if you can imagine such a thing. But that's what we have to imagine, that we can become the kinds of people who can represent him well on the planet. Um, He didn't intend for us to do it with the self-destructive tendencies that sin brings into our lives. But that, that's what we chose. So now, since Genesis 3, he has been working in partnership with us, through the cross finally, through the infilling of the Holy Spirit finally and completely and ongoingly, to enable us now to be what we were created to be, Genesis chapter 1, with the knowledge of good and evil that we were never intended to have. So we're carrying extra freight when it comes to our function. So that's why it's even more important, if you will, that we become the kinds of people he can trust alone in the dark. You, you see what I mean? That 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 we will do the right thing without thinking about it. Right? That we will we will do the right thing because that's how we have been uh, uh, so well trained. In the shaping of our hearts, and I, I hope, I hope nobody is offended by the language of training, uh, but it's the language of the athlete, it's the language of the of the writer, it's the language uh, of of um, anybody who wants to learn a skill. The 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 musician has to train him or herself to uh, with the notes and the reading of the music, so that so that so that they can actually make music rather than just play notes right? Uh, and trying really hard isn't the same thing. Uh, trying uh, won't get you as far as training will. So that's what we're looking for. How do I train now myself to be able to hear God's voice? And somebody else can use this one too. Cool. Okay. Um, we got a couple here too, so great. Thank you. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. So any, any questions initially to begin with? Because that's kind of the framework of all of this. Was saying that, that does that mean like
1: when nobody's looking
0: that's automatically what yep. our... Because most of us can be pretty good with somebody's looking and we think about it. I can do the right thing most of the time then. Where I struggle with doing the right thing is when I want to do the wrong thing, when it's easy to do the wrong thing, when it would be beneficial for me to do the wrong thing. And nobody's looking, and nobody will find out. And God wants... That's why, by the way, this is kind of weird, but I'm sensing that some of you are in that place right now, and you are in a place where you can choose to do the wrong kinds of things, and nobody will know. But you will in that moment not be somebody he can trust to do the right thing when nobody's looking. You see? And the more we train ourselves the wrong thing, the easier it will be to do the wrong thing. The more we train ourselves to do the right thing, and especially to do the right thing without reward, the easier it will be to do the right thing. You see? So, so, uh, Jude and I have been married 37, seven and a half, almost 38 years, right? So in that, over the, over the last 25 of those years, because the first seven were, were not really good. Um, actually, the first 10. well, first seven were not very good and then I learned how to be married in the next three, and then the last 25 have not been too bad. For me, at least I have no idea. I'm not going to let you talk to her. but um, but, but in, in that, you, we, you I, I, I want to love my wife the way Christ loved the church. That's impossible for me because I'm selfish. So, I have, to, I have to choose against my natural inclination often enough that it becomes second nature to choose her over me. Do you, you see? That's the pattern that we're looking for in this. And you can tell just by the way I phrase that, how challenging that is, not just in a marriage relationship, but in, in, in so many other kinds, kinds of relationships. Uh, so that's 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 kind of where we're going. Um, soul care, uh, I'd I, I like to put these definitions um, uh, in every one of our conversations. Uh, and by the way, Pete probably already mentioned this, but we have got um, podcasts of all of the previous ones, including the, the year-long one that we did right at the beginning to set the foundation for all this. If you want to go on uh, the gardenlb.org uh, and you... Or most of you probably received an email from oh, me today. Okay. I will send out a link to the where the classes are. If you didn't receive an email from me today, see me, and I'll get your email address. Make yeah. sure you get that. Because that will give you a good foundation. We'll probably come back and circle around on that stuff over the next few years. Uh, that would our kind of our plan be. Um, so that said, here's the definitions that we're working for. Um, What does it mean to care for somebody? And you can see the source for this for me. To care for another person means fundamentally to help him or her grow to become more fully themselves. This, we believe, occurs fully only in Christ. So in other words, for a person to become like Christ or for a person to become more fully themselves is the same thing. The more fully like Christ you are, the more fully yourself you will be. The more fully yourself you become, the more like Christ you will be. Because he is the perfect human being to whom individually we uh, we migrate, right? We want to imitate him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you take this back a second? second? Yeah. And on that previous one, have you
1: added any text to what's already been said for the class?
0: Uh, I'm not sure I'm following so there were, I think, Other five, books. yeah, new books. Oh, for this one? I will. I, I have not yet. Um, there there are a few I haven't included. I ran out of space on this outline, so I'll probably include it in the next one or two. But
1: that are new to even the
0: past? Yes. Outline. Yeah, they'll be specifically focused on hearing God's voice, discerning God's will, those kinds of things. Thank you. That will be, uh, will be helpful, I think. Probably, if you want, though, just probably the primary source for me on this is Dallas's book, Hearing God. Uh, It's his first book that was written for a popular audience. So uh, you can uh, pick that one up and you will hear echoes of everything I'm saying in that book, uh, because that's where a good chunk of the ideas came from for me. It's either Dallas or Jesus for me, so um, yes. put that right out there um, uh, because I. I uh, and sometimes you know if you, if you read somebody so thoroughly and so well. I hope this is the case with Jesus that you find yourself thinking in their vocabulary, right? Yes. Uh, thinking with their language, and, and of course this is really kind of where we're, where we're going here. Backing up when it, once again to care for another person. Is not to direct them towards your preferred outcome for them. To care for another person is to learn them well enough to know what them becoming fully themselves might look like. It's incremental, it's a process over time, it is not very directive. In fact, most of soul care is listening. Uh, In fact, when it moves to spiritual direction, soul care is actually called holy listening. And it is a matter of listening people into their own lives. It's a turn of phrase that I found helpful from the uh, Desert Fathers on what spiritual direction and soul care as ultimate goal really finally is. Just think about the safe space that's created by somebody who sits across a coffee table or a lunch table or in the kitchen with you and has no agenda but to create a hospitable space for you to speak your life with affirmation and acceptance. That's what soul care finally finally is. So we and the, 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 again, the primary goal is that persons become most fully themselves. Uh, remember in the frame of that sin, remember we talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago uh, at, in church hey, Uh, Sin is ultimately self-destructive. So the primary battle against persons becoming more fully themselves is our our, our propensity to sin. When we sin, we become less fully ourselves. When we're righteous, we become more fully ourselves. That's why God's wrath is targeting sin, because it is ultimately destructive to us. Sin is not, um, how do I put this? Um, it's not like like God says something is sin and that's what makes it bad. It's that something is damaging to you, so God calls it sin. Do you see? Yeah. Um, and all of this will make sense, I hope, uh, as we talk about learning to hear and discern his voice. Um, so, so... Any questions on the on the base definition that we're working on here? Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. And so, do you have to like sit in, um, um, in order to hear Like, no. You know? <coughs> no. Uh, in fact, I mean, there. It, it, uh, it, the the sitting in stillness, though, is a, a critical critical part of it. And in fact, one of the primary barriers to our ability to hear God's voice is that we're tuned into too many other voices. God never shouts. Uh, So so that still small voice, on Sunday I'll be talking from um, uh, 1 Kings 17 uh, about the sound of the thin silence. God's favorite voice is silence. language of the Trinity is silence. So those of us who are terrified of silence are probably going to struggle with the creation of space, internal space particularly, to hear God's voice. Because it's his favorite voice. He can yell, but that's not something you want to happen. <laughs> right? Uh, so, so again helping persons become more fully themselves. And then the second part of that is to recognize that to care for another person requires a profound respect for them as other. They are not an extension of me. They are not a project of mine. They are connected to me, but they are completely and utterly separate from me. Does that make sense? So I want to honor them as the unique and wonderful and beautiful creation that they are. And try not to, to mess that up. Right? Because again, we've talked about this before, but I think it's important for us to remember that um, if you were if I were to go around this room and ask each of you what you consider to be the kind of the highlight, the apex of creation. My guess is that many of us would say things like, you know, the created order, the sun, sunrise, sunset, and so on. But if I were to ask God that, he would say you. Day six of creation, the point to which all of this goes, is that the human, humankind, is the best thing God ever thought of. Right? So it's important for me, as I sit with people at Starbucks, to remember that. Because the ways of self-sabotage, the ways of damage, can really mar that, right? And especially if you have frustrating or or difficult relationships, we get we forget. No, I have nothing better to do than be with this peak pinnacle of God's creation. Yeah. Well, and something else that that
2: you taught us at that first that really impacted me that I didn't think affected me as much as it did until I thought about it more, is that their outcomes and their decisions do not determine who I am as a person and my success or anything about me. It really, truly is completely separate. No matter how badly I want my friend to be out of a bad relationship, it doesn't matter what kind of a person I am because they choose to be in that relationship.
0: Right. Because we do choose self-destruction, don't we? Well, uh, Thomas at Campus said, you know, lest you despair at how difficult it is to change anybody else.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> remember
0: how hard it is to change yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right? Hey, I just, I just yeah. wanted,
1: wanted to mention a verse that has so impacted yeah. me with what you have said in Zechariah 12.1, which is the spirit of man is the center of the whole universe. Yeah, it's, it's so personal. good. I love, I love that word. Yeah.
0: Like yeah. one. OK, so learning to hear God's voice, uh, and what we're trying to do in this whole conversation is, is using, this is Dallas's language, develop a conversational relationship with God. It's a fundamental process to becoming like Christ. Um, Underlining this whole, whole idea of conversational relationship for just a second, often we want to hear God's voice in discrete and specific situations. Do I turn left or do I turn right? Do I take this job? Do I marry this person? Do I buy this house? Do I move to this city? All of those specific kinds of things. What I'm going to suggest to you over the next two or three weeks is that that is almost unnecessary if we have developed a conversational relationship with God such that we hear his voice every day, that we walk in his will, its purposes, every day, and that if we don't do that, we will often not have capacity to discern his voice in the criti- critical, specific decisions we want his advice on. Second, God will not serve as the underwriter of your decisions. Often we want his direction because we believe if we know what God wants us to do and we do that, that it'll all turn out well for us. If I marry the person he wants me to marry or move to the city or take the job or whatever, then everything will be fine. Uh, And the fact of the matter is it may not be. Jesus, remember, was in the center of God's will his whole life. Right up until the point of his death. So it didn't turn out so good for him. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so it, it's not a game. It's not like Christian roulette. It's not like tarot cards. It's not superstition. It's a real relationship with a real personal being who longs to walk with you.
1: So in the conversation with God, does it become intuition?
0: Good. We're going to get into some of that okay. a little bit further on, So that, but that will be often one of the ways of guidance. And vision. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank we'll you. talk about all of those kinds of things. Okay. God is never short on ways of communing with those who are tuned in. Mm-hmm. And notice the language I'm using. Not communicating. Communing. Wow. That's the relational piece that we're after here. And if the communion is good and right, communication is never a problem, right? Uh, when I walk with couples uh, who are struggling in marriage or relationships with communication, often what's missing is the communion. That is the, the life together that's unstructured and unhurried and just present. You have, I don't know if you've noticed, but as we as we kind of increase our schedules, the, the rub... <coughs> Increases, and we don't have time to actually just be with somebody without an agenda, and so our capacity to communicate with clarity diminishes to the degree to which the the buffer is worn loose. Does that make sense? Uh, so anyway, uh, it, it, this uh, I've got. I think I've got a few things here listed, but the reason is because first of all. If we're going to be like Jesus, then we want to learn to live like Jesus did. Jesus did nothing except what he saw and heard the Father doing or saying.
1: This this was a very big problem for me when I realized that. Because I said, well, that's a dictatorship, you know? Uh You only say and do what the Father says. Come on, you know, you're a robot then. And I said, there's something here that's missing for me. But then I realized that he chose to do it. Yeah, and, that he was
0: and crazy and, about the father. And and that's the piece. If you love me, you do what I ask you to do. And
1: then that, then right? it was resolved. And
0: so it's not robotic. It's shaped. We we are the image of God. How else are we supposed to act? Except in in accordance to the way of God in situations. So far from being robotic, which is kind of where you were going, Mm -hmm. it finally is the expression of full individuality. Right? For me to be fully myself and for Tyler to be fully himself, we are two very different persons. Well, yeah, that's why we're both here. Uh, and, And why it's essential for each of us, right, to thrive and become fully ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. And in the middle of that, I want to have a heart that's in alignment with the Father so that when Daisy hears the voice of God and I hear the voice of God, there's a harmony. There's a resonance. Because she is part of the body of Christ. I'm part of the body of Christ. We are together part of the image of God. You see how this works? I'm not the choir master. He is. Oh see? So as we, that's one, second, and and the other, oh, sorry. Um, With that, and this is very important, especially for those of you, those of us who are starting to grow more and more maturely in Christ, and have uh, capacity to hear God more clearly than you maybe used to, and and it has resulted in you praying for other people and seeing them healed, Or words from the Lord and so on and so forth. Please notice that Jesus always knew more than he actually ever did. One of the ways of training here is to know what to do with what you hear. The immature prophet hears something from God and speaks it right away. The mature prophet hears from God and carries it until the Father says, speak. That's, that's not the same thing. Do you, do you see? Including, and this is the hard part for me, not doing things that you have the capability of doing that you in your infinite wisdom think would be helpful to somebody. Right? We, leave, we have to leave room for people to stay sick. Remember, Jesus had the capacity to raise every dead person in every cemetery, and how many did He raise? Right, a couple or three at the most. Did, did, no, what? Well, no, no, we're not in charge of things. That's the whole point of this, right? So that's a, that's a piece. And then um, this will include. So care. Uh, But goes well beyond hearing God's voice for guidance in moments of decision. This is a way of life into which we have been invited and for which we have been redeemed. This is basic, then, to becoming the kinds of people that God can trust. To do instinctively... This is on my notes, it's not on yours, so don't panic. Uh, (laughs) uh, the, The goal is to know the heart of the Father so well... That we can instinctively and naturally and without hesitation do what is needed in the moment without having been told what to do. That's what we're after. So if you can imagine somebody playing basketball, or you can imagine somebody um, working on a on a on a mechanical skill, or playing 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 uh, like like uh, uh, Pete does on Sundays, or Adam or. Any of the amazing musicians we have, uh, what's it, Kyle on Sunday morning, who's playing the piano, holy cow, (laughs) anyway, he's not thinking about what he's playing, he has been trained and his body has been trained to attend to the wind of the spirit, that's what we're after, Right? If you've you've got a lifeguard who has to think about how to save you, you're going to drown. (laughs) You need somebody who has been so well trained in the mechanics that they can do it without thinking about it. That's what I'm after, right? That's the soul shaping that we're after. Then specific guidance is against the backdrop of that conversational relationship. Uh, and discernment in the moment is successfully practiced against this backdrop. So that's kind of introductory stuff. Any questions or comments on, on kind of what we're up to? Well, yeah? i kind of understood
1: when you're walking in, in the way of the Lord and you're walking in communion with the Lord, that, that a lot of times there's more than one right answer. And so the specific dynamics that you want to belong to for affirmation are not really necessary a lot of times. Mm-hmm.
0: And the more mature you get, the less you get direction. Because the more he can trust you. Right? I mean, when, I'm with my, when, I, when I was with my three-year-old son, we had to do a fair amount of direction. Now that he's 33, <laughs> uh, a tiny bit less.
1: <laughs> right? I mean, of course,
0: you, you expect some growing up right? And, and especially because part of the being of the image of God is this enormous capacity for creativity and imagination, mm-hmm. right? We are invited to become co-creators. Uh, there is music that will be written because you're alive that would not be written were you not alive. Hello.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's what we're after. Okay, so... Framework of beliefs that sets this up. So, tonight I'm going to talk about the backdrop of this conversation, right? What we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to do. The first one is what we believe about God, about ourselves, and about the nature of our relationship with God determines to a very large extent our ability to hear God's voice. So, what do you believe about God? Who is he? What is he like? What's his personality, if you will? Uh, Is he good? Remember, our first original and still primarily compelling sin is to believe that God is not good. It's the challenge. Whenever I hear somebody say, I'm not sure I can trust him, that's Genesis 3. I know the God that I have is kind of mean, kind of vindictive. If I get it wrong, he's going to chop off my toes. Please notice how difficult it would be to train my heart to listen to a God like that. Or to believe that that God would say anything other than hostile, harsh things to me. Do you see? So my belief about God shapes my capacity to hear God. Do I believe in a God who has not only capacity but willingness to speak, to commune, as well as to communicate? Do I believe in a God who, like the psalmist says, has created the heavens to declare his glory, that that he's speaking to us through the sun and moon and stars? He's not the sun. He's not the moon. He's not the stars. They exist in him and have become his voice. Can I I train my heart to the voice of God in nature? Do you see where I'm going here? Uh, Because that will help me to discern the voice of God in particular situations and circumstances. So what do I believe about God? What do I believe about myself? Do I believe that I am the kind of person, listen very carefully to this, because this really gets to the identity piece, that I am the kind of person to whom God would speak. There's a lot of times when I'm walking with people in soul care, a fundamental barrier to their ability to, be- to hear God is their belief that he would speak to them. That, they, that they're, not, they, they're not that big a deal. They're not missionaries, they're not church planters, they're not miracle workers, they're just ordinary people and, and the expectation is God only really talks to the, talks to the cream of the crop. And I'm not, that's not me. Whereas the, the text of Scripture makes it clear that he wants to commune with all of his children, among whom you are included. But if you don't believe that, if you don't stand in your identity as his beloved... If you haven't heard in some sense the voice from the heavens that declares over you the truth about you, that you are precious and beloved and chosen, then you probably won't be able to hear any other voice except whatever the false god that you've created speaks. Anger, condemnation, judgment, shame, right? Uh, Or on the other hand, there's the, the version of everything will be all right, patch on the head, everything's just lovely no, 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 you can keep blowing yourself up and I'll keep putting you back together. Because they're both false gods. Right? Uh, and and we need to, to to what we believe about God and what we believe in ourselves uh, matters, and then finally the nature of our relationship to God, which we've already talked about. Second, consider then our belief about God, and just take a minute about in this, just personally to think about this. What if you, if you look over your shoulder, what's the expression on God's face as he looks at you? You catch a glimpse. What's the expression on his face? Is he kind? Affectionate? Disappointed? Angry? Frustrated? You, you see? That vision will go a long way to determining willingness to show up and listen. How many of us don't want to have a hard conversation with a loved one, a parent, a a child, a significant other, husband, wife, right? We don't want it because we're afraid of the reaction. Right? I don't want to bring up a hard thing. I don't want to say a hard thing because I'm afraid he or she will explode or whatever, right? If that's our belief about God, then we will maintain distance. This is why the Psalms are so important. You'll notice that over half of them are shaking a fist in God's face. Right? They're angry. They're frustrated. They're disappointed. They're grieving. Why? If for no other reason than to say, bring it. Whatever you got, bring it. He anticipates and has capacity to hear us as we actually are, not as we should be. So that tweaking is is fundamental. In fact, if you want homework between this week and next week, take a few minutes and find yourself a quiet place, 15 or 20 minutes, and just consider whether the God you have worshipped or believed in is someone you actually really even want to hear from. What would he say? Because if he's not the God of Jesus, almost any other God is not worth hearing. Does that make sense? You see, I'm hopefully I'm trying to use the language there. Uh, so then, the next question: consider belief about yourself. This would be the other part of the homework assignment. Do you believe you are the kind of person with whom God not only will communicate but desires communion with, wants relationship with you? and to whom he might speak, or with whom he wishes to commune in familiar relationship. Yeah. You
2: said something before that started with me, and I don't know how to say race will help me, but it was something to the effect of we believe who we are based on somebody that, like our closest person. Thought.
0: There's a significant other. So, so this <coughs> is the, this, are you talking about that, the yes. principle of the significant other? I, I am not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So do so you see what we're doing here in the reflected other? The person I see of myself in re- your eyes, that's who I believe myself to be. Uh, and, and so this is why seeing who we are in the Father's eyes is really important. Uh, because if, if we don't do that, sooner or later, we're going to start to go sideways on some of these things. Yeah. Okay, so any any questions on that as as foundations? I have a
1: question. So all the general scriptures that talk about how God used me as his creation are, pertain to me?
0: Yeah. Genesis 1 and 2, uh, Romans 8, Ephesians 1 through 3, Colossians 1 through 3 mm-hmm. would be a good place to start for the next 15 or 20 years. Okay. <laughs> 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 and, and I'm not saying that facetiously if you've read those chunks you know how dense and thick they are uh, when I'm doing soul care with people I was walking with somebody actually uh, this morning who has been pretty damaged by sexual abuse in her younger years and uh, she has uh, there's some cutting issues there's some food issues and so on She's dealing, working with a psychologist on the, on the counseling piece, but I'm walking with her on the pastoral soul care piece. And I'm just asking her to soak, soak in Romans chapter 8 for the next year or so. Memorize it. Let it percolate through your soul. You don't correct the, the false image, the lie that you're worthless by thinking about it got to counteract that was a flood of truth. There is no condemnation to you if you're in Christ Jesus. There is none. There's no condemnation. How would you live knowing that's true? Right? Knowing that shame is never God's vocabulary. And that as soon as you feel shame, as soon as you're working through shame, there's a pretty good chance that you're either doing it to yourself or you're under attack. Right? This, this sounds very counterintuitive to, to folks. Uh, and I, I don't want to be flippant on this, but if I can get people to be able to sin without shame, we're, in, we're on the right track. Now, that's not sinning without guilt. Guilt is a wonderful, wonderful gift. Because guilt is what I feel when I've done something morally wrong. Something opposed to the nature that God has built for me. But more often than not, guilt can be dealt with that fast. Right? If I sin, if I feel guilty, if I am guilty, I confess my sin, he's faithful and just, he's already forgiven my sin, my confession enters into a capacity, a new relationship of repentance, we're good to go. But shame will take you out of the game. So, 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 we 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 want to be, it sounds silly to say it this way. But we want to be able, as we walk with people, as they, especially through habitual sin, self-destructive sin, to move past the shame factor. So now we can actually deal with the self-destruction piece. Uh, anyway. Well, w- w- would you say something? I
1: kind of have to believe that if, that there's only one state. Where God's hands are tied, which is when you are under condemnation. There's nothing he can do. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. then
1: you're saying that whatever he's done is not yeah. it wasn't
0: worthwhile. Yeah. It
1: wasn't valuable yeah. enough, wasn't sufficient.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Everybody okay on that? So Oh, back there.
1: So where is the line between guilt
0: and shame? Um guilt. Is uh, and we have to be trained in guilt, and it's probably uh, uh, too difficult to say where's the line, right? Uh, especially if we've gotten miscalibrated with shame. So it's going to take a while to to recognize this is where this is where I think the text of scripture is is critical, uh, because that will help me know where the parameters of self destruction are. And then that, then I want to increasingly ask, like David with Nathan on, on Sunday, we were talking about that. He, Dave, David recognized in Nathan's um, um, uh, confrontation that he had, he had crossed the line. His problem was that he didn't feel shame, nor did he feel guilt.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Remember, you can harden your heart to the point that the very, by the way, that's another reason why a lot of us don't want to hear from God. So, yeah, because we don't want to hear. Can we talk about this? You know, uh, so we, that's that's the other piece. Huh? I said let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so does that make sense? So uh, let's continue to build foundations uh, for guidance. Um, uh, I think I'm on the next, next side. I'm not sure. So developing the kind of life that can listen. Notice the language I'm using there. Developing the kind of life that can listen. So I want to be a whole being receptor to the voice, to the word, to the way of God. Not just, uh, uh, um, <coughs> uh, you know, kind of stick in my dime and get my advice out. I, I, I want to be a whole being Hearer, a whole life hearer of the word and the way of God. So we begin with uh, the way of the Lord. And I've got two suggestions there. The first one is the ten words. So if you want to tune your life increasingly to um, the, the, the way of the Lord, such that your capacity to hear in any specific moment is increased, attend to what God has said he asks of us. So he begins with these ten words Uh, in Exodus chapter 20 or Deuteronomy chapter 5. Most of us recognize them as the Ten Commandments. Uh, The reason I don't use the word commandments is because that word does not appear in the Hebrew text. Nowhere in Exodus or Deuteronomy are these things referred to as the Ten Commandments. And the reason I think Moses is doing that is because he... Is saying to us, these are not laws in the sense of if you break them you go to jail, and don't pay, you know, two hundred dollars, whatever it is. These are this is these are the rules of the game. This is how life is best lived. This is this is these are the these are the the, the out of bounds markers for the way of the Lord. Does that make sense? So 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 and he. he don't 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 have any other gods before me. Number one uh, if you do, then don't be surprised if hearing is going to be challenging because you're going to be hearing already other voices right Don't make any graven images. right? Keep my name holy. honor and respect. So that's the first loving God with all your heart right? Uh, then which is Jesus's kind of summation of, of those three. Then the uh, commandments or so-called words, numbers 5 through 9, don't don't murder. That's a good place to start. Jesus Mm -hmm. will develop that and say, as you mature and develop, I want you to move so far away from murder that you don't even hate people. And then I want you to keep going until you love your enemies. That's the way of the Lord. You want to hear his voice? You just heard it. So if we're not willing to move away from hate towards love of those who are set themselves against us, we ought not be surprised if it's challenging to hear God's voice in other less important matters because this is one of the top 10 for him. Do you see where I'm going here? And I don't want to make this onerous or difficult, but I think it's like, tune the radio. Remember in the old days, any of you old people here? Any you old people here? Before digital, right? And there was these 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 capacitors that that folded in on one another as the way of tuning an old-fashioned tube radio, right? And and as you as you tuned that, you could hear you can hear the squeal of the station getting closer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's. I, it, it, this, this is to tuning. I want to tune my ear, tune my life, so I can receive. But if I'm willing to be hateful, then we're out of tune. You see? Uh, don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't... I'll, I'll, just one word thanks. So these are the broad parameters. If you, if you play play by these rules, this is the way of the Lord. It's, it's, it's like if you pick up the the, the, the the ball and run with it, whatever it is you're playing, it's not basketball.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> basketball requires
0: you to, to, to accept during the finals. <laughs> exactly. but, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but do, do, do you see what I mean? So, so here, are, here, are the, here are the rules of the game. Love God. Then the bottom uh, ones are, are love your neighbor. Number four probably the most broken one of all by Christians, is love yourself. Keep the Sabbath day. It's a gift. It's a gift. Receive it from me. It's a gift that keeps on giving. If you don't do that, don't be surprised if increasingly you have no capacity for silence, no capacity for stillness. And if you have no capacity for stillness and silence... Guess what will be challenging? Did, you see? Um, so so, so these, are the, these are the ways, and I've uh, summarized, you know, Jesus' kind of reduction of these to the two main ones, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. So those are the, the kind of the framework way of the Lord. The issue, again, here is not perfection, uh, but alignment with covenant love and life. We become aware of misalignment of sin. When we become aware of that, when we when we sense, oh, I'm, I'm out of uh, out of tune here. Uh, this is why I love uh, how Pete led us in worship on Sunday. This idea of I think he did it both services. I'm not sure, but he talked about how worship recalibrates and realigns ourselves. That's why we show up on Sundays. To, to, to remind ourselves who God is and who we are, because otherwise we're going to forget. And and when we're out of alignment, again, it's going to be challenging to hear. Um, this idea of covenant is really important. So if you'll notice uh, Psalm 1 here. Um, I'm just going to read this to you, uh, if, if you don't mind. Um, but it, it sets the frame for this whole conversation. Uh, He says, listen listen to to the deliberate chosen focus of someone who wants this kind of conversational relationship with God. You're familiar with the psalm, but let me read it. How blessed is the person who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, who doesn't stand in the path of sinners who doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. Instead, their delight is in the way of the Lord. And in the way of the Lord, they meditate day and night. That person will be like a tree firmly planted by the rivers of water which yields its fruit in due season, with a leaf that never withers, and in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked, they're not like that. They are like chaff, which the wind blows away. The wicked then will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Why? Why? Because the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. Now why does the Lord know the way of the righteous? Because the righteous know the way of the Lord. See how that works? They have aligned themselves by meditating, by reflecting on these these. Oh, these ways of the Lord, Psalm 119 i will give you some more language on that if you want. Uh, One of the longest and most powerfully beautiful songs in the history of the world. Um, Psalm 119. 119, yeah. That's an acrostic song. Um, But anyway, so, so notice, and before I get too far along here, Wicked is not a word that we use easily here, except when we're describing musicals at the Pantages. But it has a technical meaning. It means, very simply, those out of alignment with covenant. It doesn't necessarily say they're bad people. Wicked people are not necessarily bad people. They're just people out of alignment. They're just folks who have attended to a different covenant than with God. Remember how covenant works. Covenant says God is going to act in a certain way, rooted in his character, in his nature. He cannot be anything other than who he is. There is, James says, no shadow of turning with him. He is who he is, right? So if you can imagine the character of God as a river flowing in a certain direction, if you're in alignment with that river, if you're in alignment with his covenant, You receive God's character. You receive God's covenant as blessing. So imagine yourself in a canoe, right, going downstream. The character of God is received as blessing. But if you're in the canoe and get sideways in the river, or if you get going back upstream, that same character of God, that same covenant flow will be received as oppositional to you, blessing or curse. But the character is the same. D- d- do you see how that works? So, so if we want to tune our hearts increasingly to the way of God, uh, to the voice of God, then alignment with his covenant will become increasingly important to us. Does that make sense? And again, uh, well, we'll just leave it at that for now. Um because sooner or later, if you if, if you take the advice of people who are out of covenant, guess what happens? It will not be long before you stand find yourself standing around with people who have missed the mark. Way of sinners. And if you persist in that, it will not be long before you sit down and have a latte with people who have nothing better to do than make fun of people who are going somewhere with God. The scoffers.
2: It's tricky because I find myself doing a lot of like mission work and like being around a lot of people who are Christians and are believers, and you know uh, through community groups and through going to the garden and learning more about the garden. Like I feel like, but that's who we are asked to be around to yep. witness and to show like God's way. So at what point, like, I mean I know it's different for everybody, but it's like really a super fine line between like. Balancing. Yeah.
0: So it, it, this is this is the key. Jesus never took advice from anybody. He didn't take life direction from Peter. <laughs> now, why do I say that?
2: Well, because I probably shouldn't be taking advice. But from that doesn't people.
0: mean you can't be there.
2: Agreed.
0: Oh, so, so it's I want to be so solid. In who I am as the beloved son or daughter of God, that when I'm with voices that are contradicting that or pushing me sideways from that, I can make some choices about whether I ought to be there, or I can simply calmly, with assurance, continue lifely on my way as the beautiful beloved son, daughter of God.
2: So it's so tricky for me though, because then I feel like at some times I've really, really prayed hard and really thought and kind of walked with him through this, and I felt like yeah, so I really feel like you have asked me and, and kind of chose me to be in this person's life so that the seed can be planted and watered. And mm-hmm. and it's like, and then you just keep, I just keep getting beat up about things. It's like, at what point do like, I say, okay, well, I watered this. Well, I mean, I think, I, I think
0: that's the answer, right? If, if you go to the party and the party doesn't change because you're there, and you change because you're at the party. Yeah. Don't go to the party anymore. Right? Right. Yeah. Did, did, did you see? Uh, now, whenever Jesus went to the party, he became the party.
1: <laughs> right?
0: That's, that's what we're after. I want to become the kind of person. And remember, for most of us, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a, a couple of weeks out from the capacity to do this. Aren't you? This is a growing yeah, developmental so thing. And it's shifted over time.
1: Um, a while back, some, I shared with someone that one of my prayers was always to bring really the people into my life—people mm-hmm. who love God, fear Him, and just you know have a relationship with that. And she asked me, "Well, why?" And I said, "Because when I'm around people who know Him, it feeds my soul." Yep. Mm-hmm. And yep. you know, so it's it's kind of just opposite of, of putting yourself mm-hmm. out there, but it equips you to put yourself out exactly. there into that situation where you can be not changed right. yeah. by the, the,
0: exactly.
1: you know, it, but it's, it takes a while to get but, there. But again,
0: I mean, we can just underline this. This is why none of us are built to do this solo.
1: Right.
0: That's why we need the community. Why? Why we need you know the put on the whole armor of God, link arms with the person beside you, make sure everybody's holding fast to their role and their place. Otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna get taken out. Um, so that that solo kind of thing is that is where the damage occurs. Yeah. Good. Uh, okay. So uh, the the next thing that I want to uh, look at is. Um, how Jesus learned wisdom. So the, the primary way, of course, in which Jesus learned wisdom is the same way every good Jewish boy learned wisdom in the first century, which was memorization of Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Uh, and, and I don't want to, to overstate, but I don't want to understate how much grief can be avoided if we pay attention to the, the, the cumulative wisdom of the ancients. The, the, there's a reason why, like I mentioned on Sunday, some of these psalms have been around for 3,500 years, because they still are relevant in, in, in what they say. Uh, once you get through the images of Psalm 1 and the poetry there, doesn't that resonate with us today? I, I think so, you know? Um, and the same, same, same thing then about the, the uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. So wisdom is primarily used in the broad sense in the text for the shalom. Uh, shalom is uh, li- literally translated peace, but the idea of it is something like life as it was meant to be lived. So shalom is not just the cessation of conflict. Shalom is a positive, affirmative way of living that resonates with the way life was meant to be, to be lived. It's like if, if you have a, an automobile and you put gasoline in the tank, it tends to run better than if you put sand in the tank. <laughs> right? Right? Why are we so surprised when we put sand in the gas tank of our lives that it doesn't work very well? <coughs> shalom is life is living, being lived the way it was intended to be lived. Uh, and, and so building on the way of the Lord, Ten Commandments, Ten <coughs> Words, and the words of Jesus, um, uh, we get this general sense of its being, this broad sense of what makes for shalom, but it can also be used in the narrower sense in making the decision. But almost always in Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, when wisdom has the narrower sense of specific guidance, it's against the backdrop of the larger sense of how life was meant to be lived. So it's not um, uh, unattached to the backdrop. that makes sense? Can you give an example of that? Yeah, so, so even in the... Uh, you, you have this broad sense of, um, of um, here, let me just do it this way. Um, this is Proverbs, one that you'll probably all recognize. My I did Proverbs 3. Don't forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. Length of days, years of life, and peace they will add to you. Shalom. Right? Let kindness and truth, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Do you notice what he's doing? Very strategic ways of maintaining shalom. Then he says, if you do this, you'll find favor and have a good reputation in the sight of God and man. Now listen to how he, how he puts this. Uh, oh, wait a minute. I'm not quite there yet. Uh, so, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn from evil. It will be healing to your body, refreshment to your bones. Now, so that's shalom. Now it comes down to the narrow. Honor the Lord with your money, from the first of your produce. Wait, what? I thought we were talking about wisdom.
1: <laughs> you see?
0: So you have a very narrow direction on how to, how to avoid getting into trouble with money. Against the backdrop of the broad provision of God for the wholeness of life. Now if you lift out this, honor the Lord with your money, with your produce, with your wealth, then you'll think, God's after my money. No, he's after your life. He doesn't need your money. He wants to give you life. You see? Uh, and, and so, uh, and, and away it goes. Uh, so, uh, in, in this, um, the, the whole, Let uh, I me mean just, sorry. Uh, so, the strategy for a wise, guidable life, as it was meant to be lived, would include then, for us, learning the lessons of wisdom in literature and applying them relationally in community. That's what we already talked about. So what does that mean? If you want to tune your heart increasingly to the way of the Lord, it would be it would do you good to start to work your way over the next 15 to 25 or 30 years through the Psalms, through the Proverbs, through Ecclesiastes, through this ancient these ancient texts of wisdom. Uh, that you run them through the filter of the cross, you run them through the grid of the cross, but nonetheless, they still have value and and virtue for us today. Does that make sense? Um, And and then we invite the Holy Spirit, who is, by the way, in the Old Testament, He is wisdom. Sophia becomes the Holy Spirit in many ways in the New Testament. Uh, He'll help you make those applications. So We begin to ask how does this fit? How does this work its way out in my life? Okay? How are we doing? Okay, I know it's getting warm in here, huh? Yeah, Too much hot air. There's
1: a couple the the
0: Yeah.
1: That's
0: what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You good? Okay. So, again, much of the way of wisdom is common sense. So, so it's not rocket science that we think there's a way that life works best, and we ought not be surprised. The problem with common sense is that it's not all that common anymore. Right. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> right. And, and so,
0: we, we want to start to think through why that might be. Right? The patterns of self. Remember, all of us always have a reason for everything we do that is satisfactory to us. Right? And it's some variation on Genesis 3. Which, when we stood and stared at the tree, what did we say? It's good. It's beautiful. It's attractive. And it's desirable to make wise. We will always have a reason to do whatever we want to do. So this is why it's critical for us to start to get some input into the ways that we think about things uh, that are, are ancient. So much of the way of wisdom is in the common sense. Uh, so for example, the whole discussion of the fool in Proverbs uh, points to the unreliability of one who is out of relational alignment with God. So Psalm 14.1 or, or 53, one. the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So what is it that makes a person a fool in the technical sense? Not believing, Not believing in God. Not, now, now please notice, the psalmist here is very aware that nobody in their right mind would say that out loud in his culture. So it's the fool has said in his heart in other words, is living as if there is no God. That's a fool. And like my grandmother says, you can always tell a fool, but you can't tell him much. <laughs> right? Because the pattern of alignment, the pattern of listening is detuned. Okay. Is that the same quote-unquote fool as Jesus is talking about? Not Bingo. Exactly right. Because what you're doing when you call someone a fool is saying you're outside the realm. Uh, you're voted off the island. You don't. You don't have the capacity to make that decision about somebody. In in, Psalm, in uh, Matthew five, yeah. Okay. So so here's here's a I, I love this I love this um, I always read this whenever I get a chance, and you guys are uh, captive audience, so uh, listen, to, listen to how he builds on this, and by the way, you get a sense of the humor of the, of the writer of Proverbs here. Like snow in summer and rain at harvest time, honor is not befitting a fool. Like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, is a curse that does not without cause there's not a light a whip is for the horse a bridle for the donkey a rod for the back of fools now listen to the tension you do not answer a fool according to his folly lest you become like him next verse answer a fool according to his folly lest he become wise in his own eyes you see what he's doing where is that? This is Proverbs 26. And because what you hear the contradiction there, it's like, well, what, what, what is it? It's the paradox of dealing with the fool. Yeah. No matter what answer you give, it's the wrong answer. And yeah, so, anyway, um, he cuts off his own feet who sends a message by the hand of a fool. Like the legs which hang down from the lane is a proverb. In the mouth of a fool like the one who binds a stone in a sling is the one who gives honor to a fool like a thorn which falls into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of a fool like an archer who wounds everyone so is he who hires a fool like a dog who returns to its vomit, a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? More hope for a fool than him. That's the punchline. You feel the tension? Wow. And then he says, "Eh, you're not all that either. Anyway, so, so the Proverbs are just rich with this uh, awareness of how life is intended to be to be lived, uh, then the final passage. Any questions on any of that? That makes sense. So again, what we're trying to do tonight. Next week, we'll start to talk in more specific things. But tonight, I want to just put a backdrop of scripture that 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 creates capacity to hear. Right? Because if you're listening for specific guidance at specific times and have no interest. I mean, Dallas uh, once asked, uh, there, there, God doesn't speak... Uh, what does he say? He, I'm trying to remember exactly his phraseology, but he said, if you were to hear from God, what would you do with it? There are a lot of us who want to hear but have no intention of obeying. We just want God to give us advice, which we will take as one voice among many. He doesn't give advice. So, that's the backdrop. Uh, then... James gives us some ways of determining uh, wisdom as the marker. Uh, Just a list, if you've got Bibles, you can turn to this later on, Uh, but it's James chapter uh, 3, verses 15 and following. uh, 13 and following. Um, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show this by his good behavior in the gentleness of wisdom. So here's the contrast. Bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, arrogant, lying against the truth. That kind of wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. Strong language. And part of what James is saying here is that if what you are, are seeking to hear really is about your self-promotion. Listen to the language he uses. Bitter jealousy, I want to be better than other people. Other people. Selfish ambition. If, if, you're, if the wisdom you have heard is about self-promotion and moving yourself forward, there's a very good chance that it's not the voice of God you've heard. Uh, just as a way of, of managing this. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil thing. But... And listen to this list now. The wisdom from above is pure, unmixed motive, right? Peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruit, unwavering, and without hypocrisy. So if you're listening to something on TV, if you're reading something, And want to see how it fits if you're listening to a political speech over the next few weeks. Or the next couple of years as we move into campaign season. It's not difficult many times to discern, is this wisdom from above or wisdom from below? Jealousy, selfish ambition, conceit, or pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, full of good fruit unwavering without hypocrisy. It makes for the way of shalom, he says. The way of wholeness. The way life was meant to be lived. So those are uh, some of the markers uh, that we're we're looking for there. Uh, Now, just to finish up, uh, consider implications for soul care. Think about how all of this, as we walk with people and as we walk with ourselves, begins to relate to the regular work of caring, helping persons to become more fully themselves. How, how does this work in that discipline?
1: How can the compete with the noise of envy or the
0: noise of self doesn't have to. We're playing different games. Right? Jesus Jesus is not playing Pilate's game. That's why Pilate can't figure out what, to, what the heck to do with him. So, so I don't, I don't have to win. That's not my job,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? So I, uh, this, this is why wisdom is counterintuitive. If I want to hear the voice from the heavens, so I get an advantage over my neighbor, I'm not going to hear the voice from the heavens because it's not God's voice that I'll hear. You see? So, so this is. Some of us say we want to hear. I, I, Myself, I, I want to hear from God until he tells me something that's going to disadvantage me in a competitive environment.
1: <laughs>
0: you, know, uh, you know, God, you don't understand how business works.
1: <laughs> so
0: so uh, I'll take your advice for church, but, you know, when I go to work, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you no, know, Jesus is the leading expert in whatever field you work in. He knows how to do your job and can teach you if you're his disciple. Isn't that interesting? Uh, anyway, so uh, with that, so how does this help, how, how in our care for persons does this whole conversation help us move to becoming more fully ourselves? Please, does this make sense? So you think through what are the ways of self-destruction that push back? I mean, in walking with people over, over the years in soul care, one word that frequently shows up and that is transformative to those who start to put it into practice is Sabbath. Just injecting space back into the chaos. One day in seven in which you do no work. God is not harmed if you don't Sabbath. But you are. I am. The community is. We develop, in just that one day, that place of stillness for praying, for playing, for family, for friends, for life together, right? And, and every time I introduce this, and I I, have, I, I, I make an assignment in, in a couple of my courses at Vanguard, and inevitably I have students who, I can't do this, I'm just so busy, I cannot take one day in seven. And my response is always the same. The Sabbath is the one thing that when you add in gives more than it takes. And by the end of the semester, with some exceptions, but by the end of the semester almost everybody was pushing back at it, resisting it, say, I don't know how I survived the semester without it. I would have survived without it. This is life saving. Well, of course it is. That's what God said. He deposits a million dollars in your bank account. every, and, and if you don't spend it, it's gone tomorrow. You don't have to, but there it is, right? He gives you one day in seven in which he says, I'll take over running the universe today. (laughs) So just that one word can start to shape people, do you see what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Towards another way of thinking about their own journey and, and, and moving forward on that. Consider then how also this provides a platform or foundation that enables us, having tuned our ear to the voices of, of the voice of the Father in His songs in His Word, we we're talking a little bit about that earlier, right? I, I develop a resonance, like like I, it, you know, if you're if you're a mom, you know how this works. You can hear your child in a crowded nursery and recognize your child's cry. How is that? Well, your heart, not just your ear, but your heart is tuned to that resonance. So as we tune our heart to the voice of the Father, as we tune our ear, the ear of our heart, to the voice of the Father, it becomes increasingly easy. When we watch something on TV, when we listen to something on the, on the radio, when, when we're reading something, to know, oh, that's off. Now, no, that's off. Or that resonates. Right? And, and that's what we're after here, is the training of a listening life. Okay, any questions uh, uh, on on what we've been doing tonight? (coughs) Things that you want to make sure we press into in the next couple of weeks. We've already talked about some of those, so we'll be doing that. What
2: was the hardest part for you in kind of figuring this stuff
0: out? What is the hardest part? (laughs) Because this is an ongoing conversation, right? Yeah, but like what what has been.
2: Like like you've kind of been doing this for a minute now. Yeah. And you meet with like hundreds are of Are you people
0: saying a I'm week. old? You are <laughs> old. I'm not saying?
2: Experience. Yeah,
0: thank you. Thank okay. you for that.
2: And because honestly like in, in walking with you this whole time it feels like I mean you see like hundreds of people a week it almost feels like so you've like exponentially grown your your yeah. experiences.
0: As the hardest American part ourselves. The hardest part is distraction. I'd I say this, I mean, I've got a couple of friends from Vanguard here, and they've heard me say this before, but the hardest place ever to be is where you are. So, so in, in, in transcendental meditation, for example, we talk about mindfulness. I don't believe in transcendental meditation, but I do believe in meditation, the goal of which is to become present where you are, to listen to what God is up to, to, to attend to the present moment. Why? Because your life, as it is, right now, is the only place you will ever meet God. you say that
1: again?
0: Your life, <laughs> as it is, right now, is the only life in which you will ever meet God. Which is wonderful as long as you're there. But if you're preoccupied with what's going to happen tomorrow, you're not meeting God in your life today. If you're anxious and regretful about what happened yesterday, you have no capacity for presence today. And, you know, regret and worry are the prime disablers of presence. Right? Uh, And then shame and fear are the the other... of the things that go along with that, so that that to me is is still by far the most challenging thing. Yeah. How do you distinguish the difference between being wise and being wisdom and you know, mm. mm. words? Uh, yeah, to live a this is this is this is why I wanted you to hear that tension in the proverb, right? Because true wisdom is paradoxical. It's not unilateral. So so the wise person doesn't need rules. So Augustine said it this way. Love God, then do whatever you please. You see? Because the life that is shaped by love, the life that is shaped by wisdom, the life that is shaped by the way of the Lord doesn't need rules and doesn't imply rules for others. This is why Jesus says the. The, the problem with the guy trying to do open eye surgery on somebody to take the splinter out with a log in his own eye is not that he's not got a good heart. It's just that the log in his eye makes him useless to be helpful to his brother. So, so, so take out, because the brother is sinning, say. But my judging of my brother sinning makes me unable to help him. That's the log in my eye. Gotta get rid of my judgment of my brother so that I can actually be helpful with the splinter in his eye. So the the that's what that's where the, the resistance is that does that make sense? So the more I love, the less I need law. For myself and for others. Yeah, good. So we're supposed
1: to have a Sabbath. Um, yeah
2: but as somebody that fills every second
0: of the day with something to do and my struggle in my relationship with God is distraction, what should, like, what do you recommend a Sabbath should look Good. like? Good, yeah. Mm. Um, you're not going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it might look like making a cup of coffee and going and sitting and watching the sunrise or sunset. It might mean having a cup of tea and reading a novel that you've been putting off reading. Mm. It might mean uh, going for a walk along the beach for two or three hours and uh, not taking something to do. Uh, because in that moment, you have nothing more important to do than be with the lover of your soul. So if you can think of it you know, with someone with whom you have, have longed to spend time, and he is saying to you, I have 24 hours, as much of it as you want is yours. That's, that's what we're, we're doing. Uh, and remember, a lot of us because this is me now, uh, avoid the Sabbath rest because my image of God is skewed. You see? So I, 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 I want to th- I, I need to shift my thinking uh, towards who he, he actually really is. So that that uh, and and then it, it then it'll be then it'll be um, having dinner with friends, or uh, maybe coming to church and worshiping. Uh, so a, a variety of things. It's not, you know, sitting waiting for it to end.
1: You
0: know, that's probably not helpful. that I think in our conversations really resonated was um, for me, I think um, taking action to get into nature was very helpful because the thing about nature is it requires nothing of you. That you can just be in it and it still exists and and a lot of times is very full of wonder and full of awe and yeah. and it requires nothing of you. Yeah. You can actually just be a bystander within it, um, which is very good. helpful in terms of untying your hands. You know. One of the, what Pete's building on here is the concept that we did in the first soul care class, which says that every soul has five windows. Remember this? And that the wind of the spirit, social, intellectual, emotional, physical, and spiritual. Um, And and each one of us, while we have all five, there are usually two, maybe three, that are the primary windows through which the breath of the Spirit blows. So part of what Sabbath should and could entail is finding a space into which the wind can blow through that window for you. If it's emotional, this is what Pete is talking about, if your window is primarily an emotional engagement, nature, good music that's got lots of space in it, Art, sculpture uh, can, can, can bring life to your soul, right? Mm-hmm. If it's uh, physical, you're probably gonna pray better walking than you do kneeling,
1: mm-hmm.
0: wow. right? And, and the walking itself can be prayer. So exercise can be part of our soul's care. Uh, if it's spiritual, Finding a chapel someplace uh, and praying and, and getting lost in the stained glass or the silence, the thickness of, of presence can be transformative. If it's social, you probably need to find a person, a friend, to sit and have coffee with on a, on a once a week or something basis. I have, I have folks who have incorporated this into their Sabbath observance now, that they meet with a friend and they just talk about life. They talk about a passage of scripture sometimes. But that is—they come away just vibrating with life after that hour-long conversation. And if it's intellectual, you get yourself a, a good book, say, or uh, listen to uh, lessons, lectures on tape, or something like that that will really um, um, require you to have a dictionary at hand and just get the little gray cells vibrating in there uh, with with new life. And and if it's intellectual, then and any one of those five prayer will start to flow naturally out of those. Uh, and it will often be the place in which you are most able to hear God. So, so sometimes when, uh, when, if your window is emotional and you're in nature, you have capacity to hear in ways that you didn't if sitting at your desk trying to, to work on something. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you see what I mean? <clears throat> Let the wind blow. Find out which windows are yours and, and, and create time and space for that to occur. No, Tuesday. It
1: can be Wednesday.
0: Wednesday could be a good day. Any day but Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I can remember as, as a young kid, first
1: when his Sunday became a woman, my mom and dad went to church. Yep. That afternoon we... Didn't have a big family,
0: you know, I had no brothers and sisters. Friends from the church would come over. Yep. Yeah. We'd have coffee. After coffee, uh, have the
2: lunch.
0: Yep. Yeah. But it was just we made a day. Yep. Was we a day. Nothing television. better to do but friends and family. <laughs> yeah. There's no television or radio, no or news. Yeah. And it was it's easier, fun. wasn't it, when the culture supported yeah. Well, I, yeah. I can still remember when there were no Little League games, no soccer games.
1: That was 24-7. Yeah. And
0: so we have to start to stake out some claims in, and for ourselves.
1: And it's a
2: part of the United States, wherever you live, in
1: the United States, like I'm from New Mexico, we didn't have a choice, so was nothing to do. Right.
0: Yeah. What is the main shift in perspective we need to hear that's good. What's the question? Um, Say again. The main shift in perspective we need to hear from God. What is the main shift in perspective that we need to hear from God? Uh, in a nutshell, almost always when I send people into silence for the first time, the very first word they hear from God is "I love you," and I would argue that's probably the main shift. I'm not angry, not disappointed. I love you. Which, by the way, given that he is love, makes sense. That's how he aligns us with him. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, close in prayer. Uh, I'll stick around. Anybody wants to talk about some stuff, uh, thank you for your patience. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace and your mercy and your great love for us. I pray that you would give us capacity increasingly to walk with you in a conversational relationship that we will know your heart without you having to speak it to us. And that having tuned our ears, tuned the ears of our life to be that listening posture, we will be instantly responsive to uh, the slightest whisper of your heart. Let it be so, we pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about The Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.